0: Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. There's no way to say it other than that the the last 12 months have been a bit of a dumpster fire. It's been a challenge for everyone during this pandemic, but in particular, tax preparers have had to deal with changing deadlines, changing guidance, unclear guidance, changing laws, and all of that, of course, coming out of all the changes with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in the years leading up to this pandemic. So it's been a challenging time to be a tax preparer and that's why I'm very pleased to be joined today by Ed Carl CPA and Vice President of Taxation at the AICPA to dig into some of these challenges that we're having as a profession talk about the issues at the IRS and think long term about how we can fix this because it seems to be a problem that's been going on since I don't know 2010 we've started to have issues I've seen posts that you have written and 2014, 2015, talking about issues at the IRS. So thank you for joining me, and and welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. So how would you describe the last, or how would you describe the pandemic for the tax profession?
1: Uh, Unbelievable challenges for the accounting profession, but I've never in my lifetime seen the the far-reaching personal ramifications that we all address. So So not only the the challenges, so just as an example, IRS had to shut down last year um, because of health concerns, social distancing concerns, all of their physical locations were shut down. Yet because of security and confidentiality reasons, a lot of their employees were not set up to work remotely. Whereas it may have been an easier transition. Uh, for CPAs, I'll, I'll give, for, for me, I haven't been in the office since March 11th, 2020. So not once, I haven't been in the office. But we've had a seamless transition for AICPA and an ability to function. IRS was not in that same, didn't have the same capacity because of uh, security of data, confidentiality. Concerns uh, that there are criminal sanctions for um, disclosing um, confidential taxpayer information, so they have broad concerns and have always taken it very seriously. So for them to transition where they possibly could to a remote processing, remote functioning was a lot more difficult, and then a lot of their functions were were not capable of transitioning to that so you know we're all familiar with the the backlog of the mail um, where it got up to something like 20 million pieces of mail at at one point or, or an excess of that you can't do that at home you can't process the mail at home and uh, it's just incredible right so not only have CPAs had to deal with the professional ramifications, this is what I was getting to, but the personal ramifications of having to work at home, um, making sure you have the capability of doing that, but then having kids at home. Um, plenty of people told me, well, um, w- when I'm taking a, a conference call in, in the one extra office we have at home, my spouse is taking a call at the same time in the bathroom, with kids running around the house. So it's just really been an unprecedented time.
0: So you mentioned the IRS mail backlog, and there has been some—I don't know, dispute about this. It seems like the Commissioner Reddig has said that the mail has been opened and that they are, or the mail—they are caught up on the mail. But maybe that only means that they have opened the mail, not necessarily that they have processed all of the returns or forms. I see CPAs talking about how there's stuff from 2019 that hasn't been processed yet and that is spilling over into 2020 and causing issues with penalties that have already been paid, but for some reason the IRS hasn't cashed the check. I mean, where are we with this and when are we going to get caught up?
1: I think that's one of the reasons that they were a little bit adverse to um, changing the due dates this year um, because the, they had such a challenge handling the changes last year and a lot of the ramifications that it cost for them. And they weren't able to change their notice cycles. It, it's something we're still talking to them about with the notice cycles. We, we've we asked them to consider putting a, a hold on that notice cycle for at least 90 days until after they catch up with everything. So, that's a good question. The commissioner did say at the end of last year that they've caught up with the mail. So, I will say this number one, being caught up with the mail doesn't mean that they don't have a backlog. That's number one. I think they have sort of normal amounts of work that they do. And so, they they had boosted up to unprecedented levels and I think they've gotten down to what might be a normal backlog for them. They're they're not gonna have a day where they don't have an open mail. The question is how much do they have and and when do they expect to get through it. I think you alluded to the other piece of it is um what they've done with that unopened mail. There's a lot of processing that goes into the, the um, cycles that they have beyond just opening the mail. I, I've been in many service centers. I've seen them open the mail. Opening the mail means that they run a, a, an envelope through basically a sander, right? So they sand off the bottom of an envelope because they don't want to cut it for fear of cutting what's in the envelope. So they basically have a, a fine sander where they take off the bottom edge. And then it goes through a whole process of triaging what's in the envelope. They they try to do some of it through post office boxes, but not all of that. So, so, so I, they, I just
0: want to make sure I'm clear on this. So opening the mail, according to the IRS, literally is just cutting a slit in the envelope.
1: I don't know what, the, the full picture of what the commissioner was alluding to.
0: But um, we can assume that it hasn't gone all the way through processing. or
1: I think it's fair to say because I'm hearing from too many CPAs saying we, my client made a, a, a payment, filed a return, made a payment last year, and we're still getting notices about it. And I don't understand why. So so I think what you're saying seems to add up that they may have opened uh, a certain level of mail, but they haven't continued or, or finished processing and updating the master files for, for all that data. And I've even heard of um, a, a number of people now who e-file returns. So so the e-filed returns don't go directly into the master file either for security reasons. You, they, you don't want to give a, a third party um, access to the master file. So the e-filing of returns goes into a, a separate database and then that later gets merged into the master file for security purposes. I, I don't even know if all of that has been updated because... I'm still hearing from CPAs who said they e-filed 2019 returns and they're still getting notices that would indicate to them that the master file hasn't been updated.
0: And we've also got the issue of the phones. Uh, In that blog post I alluded to that you wrote back in 2015, I think it was, you had a chart in there that said that there showed that the IRS used to answer something like 80% of the phone calls it received, and it had gone down to 40%. And I believe now we're at an even lower percentage. Is that right? I mean, I, I, it's- yeah. I,
1: I don't know what the current – I couldn't quote you a current percent. I, I, I frankly thought that that percent would have gone up at this point, but I honestly haven't looked at the numbers. Um, th- there was an unprecedented situation fact that when you're re- referring to where th- there were um some significant cuts in IRS resources and their service levels had really plummeted and I-, I believe that the service levels since uh uh I'll guess at the time frame around 17 18 19 it started increasing um Frankly, we had started following service levels by doing an annual survey of our members' attitudes about IRS service levels. We do that right after filing season. So this year we're going to do the survey right after May 17th to understand. and we do ask service levels. And so the the last three or four years, The the numbers were upticking. The service levels were upticking until last year, which um, not surprisingly, there was uh, a problem again last year with those service levels. But they had been before the 2020 pandemic year, they started increasing and and improving from the, the years that you're referring to.
0: So they've started increasing. What... How do you measure that? What what are they at right now? Like, what is the what is the AICPA member rating of IRS service levels?
1: So I'm um, I'm just talking relative improvement in mm-hmm. in our members' rating of service levels. So um, I, I don't have uh, authoritative data on what the levels of service are. Uh, what I was trying to indicate was that. Our members in the survey and and stati- statistically valid um, opinions of AICPA membership were indicating an improvement, uh, and not necessarily appropriateness or appropriate levels, but improvement. So you know, where you-
0: like improvement from terrible or uh, too good, or like what is the objective scale of this? I mean, because if we're just talking atrociously bad to somewhat less atrociously bad, that's not exactly a great, a great thing.
1: Right. I, um, well, I wish I had that survey in front of me right now because I would um, pull it out and maybe we can do a follow up to talk about this, the survey data. So, right. So you, you're asking a fair question. So
0: um, uh, maybe you could just tell me anecdotally. I understand. You know, I don't expect you to have the numbers. Right in front of you, but I'm just I'm just curious. Like, what do you think? Like, is it is the I'm IRS excited. service level?
1: No, no. Clearly, like- the IR the the service levels are not acceptable where they are, and I would say our members would would back that up in general that the service levels are not acceptable. We took on a significant initiative because of the the precipitous drops that we were seeing uh, around. 2015 and 16, um, we've always gotten some level of complaint that, you know, the IRS deals in millions and millions of um, taxpayer contacts, practitioner contacts um, every year. And many of them were going well, but a lot of them were not. And there were always complaints, particularly about um, notice cycles that's always been an issue even back then and it's not fixed now notice cycles meaning my client got a a notice it's not correct the cpa wrote a letter explaining why it wasn't correct and before the irs opened and processed the response they issued another notice to the taxpayer right so that's always been somewhat of an issue that's gotten worse
0: yeah it's like making a payment on your credit card the credit card company doesn't open the mail and receive your payment and then they send you a late fee, right? And they exactly. say you haven't paid your bill. Um, it just seems completely ridiculous that that this would be the situation. I, I, I guess it wouldn't be ridiculous if this was only caused by the pandemic. I, we could understand that the IRS is still paper-based uh, and that not being able to be in the office caused serious issues in that regard. Although we could say, why weren't you paperless already when so many other tax authorities around the world have have done so. Um but let's setting that aside, this wasn't an issue that started in twenty twenty. This was an issue that's been going on since the early two thousands.
1: A hundred percent correct. You're a hundred percent correct. It's it um in some sense the pandemic has uh a light on it or or and made things even worse. Right now, but we've been of the opinion for for several years and have spoken about this in the past that there has to be some kind of alignment between Congress and the administration about the internal revenue service and 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 that means a broad view so some people speak about service, some people speak about um the, the audit process and the audit rates and um, the, the compliance process. I would say the third leg of that stool has to do with technology. So we, we think that there has to be an alignment between Congress and the administration about what would be appropriate levels of service and compliance for the Internal Revenue Service and then fund. Those levels, right? So if you 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 were asking me the exact right question, well, so Ed, if if your members are saying over the last several years that there was a, a positive uptick in the service levels, does that mean it went from horrendous to bad? And and so we've seen additional funding go to the service the last year or two. The question is, um what level of uh, answering the phones does Congress believe is appropriate?
0: Well, and it's and not then, just a- answering the phones, though, right? It's it's also as an this, example.
1: You're right. I'm it's, just using that as an example.
0: Yeah. So, so, and I I apologize. Don't no, I mean to cut you off there, but um, the reason I I want to interject is that there have been a number of stories recently in the press about how. Audits of millionaires and billionaires have declined precipitously. Very few corporations are being audited or pass-through entities, I should say, are being audited um, you know, in the single digits or less than that. Um, and and in, in particular, the New York Times analyzed a an IRS report that found uh, what they claim is a trillion dollar tax gap that because the IRS um, does not have the means to audit, and it's mostly corporations, uh, and that we don't have a a a way of getting information about the revenue of corporations other than through a voluntary self-reporting regime. In many cases, that unpaid federal income taxes may amount to more than $600 billion this year and more than $7.5 trillion over the next decade. And, and so the question I have is, is the IRS underfunded? And is it not just a little bit underfunded, but dramatically underfunded? Uh, and I was curious about the AICPA stance on this. I, I, I In preparation for this interview, I found a, a page on the website, IRS Taxpayer Services, where it discusses the ACPA meeting with congressional offices and the IRS to increase funding $290 million for taxpayer services. I'm not sure how recent that is because there's not a date here. Um, But then I I, I wanted to put that money in context because it seems like a lot of money, but the IRS budget is something like, what, uh, $12 billion. Right. So $290 million, for taxpayer services, that's 2.5% of the current budget. And then I was shocked to learn uh, that since 2010, the IRS budget has actually declined in in today's dollars. It has gone from over $14.5 billion down to less than $12 billion in 2019. The number of full-time equivalents of IRS personnel has declined. It went from close to eighty-five thousand down to less than seventy-five thousand. So, like, how much of this problem is caused by the pandemic, or like you said, just exposed by it? But how much of it is just that we haven't funded the IRS? And and then my question is, well, wouldn't we, as a profession, be interested in in give you know more than a two and a half percent bump for resources for them?
1: So that. Uh, comment by uh, said, and it is um, quite a few years old, but it was the first instance in a number of years. So you you explained it correctly that there had been a, a drop in the IRS budget for a number of years. They they had gone down from their high water mark, and that was the first time Congress had started to increase. And so we were um, recognizing that trend. We were in no way saying what an appropriate level was. So that's what I was saying a few minutes ago, that there has to be some kind of alignment between Congress and the administration about what service, compliance, technology needs are, and then fund those levels. So, for example, if you talk about Um, the audit rate of high net worth individuals. And it's dropped. Well, what it dropped from, I I don't know what percent it was, but let's just say it was a couple of percent. It wasn't a hundred percent. And no one is saying it should be a hundred percent. But what should that percentage be? And and what's left on the table, and is that number accurately determined and um, you know what what should that number be so so there has to be an, an alignment between Congress and the administration about all of that, and then fund it fund the organization, fund the agency to meet what you believe are the appropriate level so if you believe. Below one percent audit rate for individuals is incorrect. What rate do you want? What rate do you well,
0: want? It, I, I'm not so much concerned about the rate of audits, uh, although it is a bit embarrassing that it's much easier to be audited uh, as a low-income individual than as a high-income individual. That seems backwards to me. But I'm not so much worried about the actual rate. I'm worried about the fact that there is. Very clear evidence that because we don't have enough IRS personnel, that there's a tax gap, and that, like I said, we're losing something like six hundred billion dollars a year. Uh, you know, that's a lot of money. I mean, over ten years, that could pay for three infrastructure packages, right? So, so this is bringing this back to the uh, current situation in, in Washington. We have the Biden administration that wants to pass like a $2 trillion infrastructure bill, and the way they want to pay for it is by increasing corporate taxes. Taxes on domestic income and also capturing foreign corporate income, that's been you know, profits that have been exported overseas by instituting a minimum global corporate tax regime. This would increase the burden on corporations significantly. They are often our clients. We probably do not want this on their behalf. They do not want it. And But but nobody's talking about how just by collecting the money that we are already due, we could pay for this entire infrastructure bill six hundred billion dollars a year over a few years equals two trillion dollars.
1: Right. So that that's an estimate. And again, when you say when it's due, it's I I don't I, I don't know. I don't think that's assessed tax that IRS has not collected right so i think there's when you talk about the tax gap that's the perception of ha- how much the correct amount of assessed tax versus what was voluntarily reported and then the question is 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 that an accurate number but again i'll i'll say this um if you audited uh so a tax just bear- just on that
0: point just on that point so um this is from an irs report in 2019. Now, as reported in the New York Times, I haven't dug into the report itself, but let's just, as, you know, I'll read this. It says, the IRS estimated that Americans report on their taxes less than half of all income that is not subject to some form of third-party verification like a W-2. So we're talking about income, you know, that all income is taxed in this country, right, unless specifically excluded. So we're saying that that they are not reporting it. Like it's that's tax evasion.
1: Okay, right. So, right? all right. So there is a problem. I'm not trying to um, argue that there isn't a problem. There is a problem. There is a problem of uh, voluntary in the voluntary compliance system. Third party and, and reasonable increases in third party reporting have always shown that there is. Um, an improvement in voluntary compliance. When that happens, the question is: Number one, what's you know a reasonable third-party reporting? I mean, if you take someone's and uh, um, you know pays their plumber in cash, um, you're not going to necessarily ask an individual to, to file a 1099. Right. So, point,
0: so we're not going to get all of it, obviously. Yes, right, but we could so, we could recapture some of it, certainly. All right. right?
1: Right. So, so you could recapture some of it and you could imp- increase the, um, the audit rate and that will, I, I've heard, you know, seven, eight times the amount of money you put into an audit, you'll recapture in additional taxes. So there's a lot of money there. You're right. And so the question that I was raising is how much of that do you want to capture? Are you you're, you're saying if you if you got all of it? So what would you have to do to capture all of it? I I don't think as so, a kind of,
0: yeah go ahead. Well, so we might we might have an answer here. Um, Charles Rizzotti, who led the IRS from 1997 to 2002, he says that by investing 100 billion dollars in the IRS over the next decade, the agency could collect. $1.4 in lawful tax revenue that otherwise would go uncollected. $1.4 Remember, we're talking about a $2 trillion infrastructure package right now. So this seems to me like a way to basically pay for most of it.
1: Yeah, I, and I'm not uh, arguing against that. I'm, I'm, I'm actually uh, agreeing. So what I've been saying is that Congress and the administration should agree on what it is they want to capture, what level of compliance? So you you can do a study. So I'm not an economist.
0: Well, wouldn't we want to collect? Uh, I mean, theoretically, collect all the tax that you is wanna, due.
1: You you a hundred percent. You know, AICPA. Uh, in fact, it's something that I've been involved with for years. Our tax ethical standards. So we we believe CPAs are very ethical. We believe that. Um there there should be a high degree of ethics in the in the tax system for everybody and that taxpayers should pay um the correct amount of tax but now then you get questions as to what the correct amount of tax taxes are that there's um uh, just a so – this doesn't aside, even go
0: into tax policy right we're not talking about increasing tax rates we're just talking about collecting unpaid tax taxes already yeah, so due I agreeing
1: with you right so I'm, so, so, I'm
0: So is that the position of the AICPA? Like, like you say that Congress and the administration need to agree, but like, isn't it up to us to tell them what to do, like to guide them, to lobby them? Uh, Yeah, and we've done that. We so how much? So well, but but it looks like to me, you know, we're talking a twelve billion dollar budget for the IRS, and we're talking about investing uh, like a hundred billion to raise more than a trillion that's a lot of money like is that the actual position of the IRS or the AICPA that we should dramatically increase the IRS budget like do no. we have a number do we have a no. target
1: no we don't have a target because we're not economists and we 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 don't do studies like that we deal mainly in tax administration right. that's not our wheelhouse to determine what the uh, correct uh, level of the tax gap is. We haven't done that. We've talked about it in the past. We've talked about it from a tax policy perspective. We've talked about it from an ethics perspective. We've talked about it for years. But it so would certainly
0: it would certainly help uh, improve the service levels at the IRS and catch them up on their backlog and and all of that. I mean don't wouldn't it don't we need to like do something like we can't just complain about the irs service levels if we don't have like a solution shouldn't we we could offer a solution we could say you know do this do this invest 100 billion dollars in the irs it seems like a no brainer to me like why don't why don't we advocate that
1: so we've been advocating um for a long time we advocated um We've been advocating for resources, as have other organizations. We've um, advocating for an alignment of Congress and the administration to decide what appropriate levels of funding would be, right? So you could say, uh, you know, uh, collect all the unreported income, you have a lot of money to pay for other services. So, so that's fine. We,
0: we don't have to raise taxes, right? Like, and that's in the interest of our clients
1: that that's fine if that's what congress wants to do and agree with the irs to do it that's fine we, we've said that but what i'm saying is it's not just about the money we've also advocated for changes in in tax administration we issued a report that um several years ago about a, a broader it's not just about resources it's about um Congressional oversight or governance objectives, or um, the the way they function with human resources. I mean, we we've made numbers using measuring uh, taxpayer satisfaction as a way to improve service levels. We've talked about something called the practitioner services division, which would um, utilize represented taxpayers. So just as an example, all the, the taxpayers that CPAs represent and have the IRS better function with represented taxpayers so that the IRS could better function with unrepresented taxpayers and leverage um, leverage re- those people who are already getting some level of service. So we've made broad numbers of recommendations over the years including in in uh a change in the approach to resources, but it's not just about resources. it's not just uh that's i mean in some sense there is an easy answer you're going to collect all this money, but you have to have the right uh compliance initiatives you have to have the right approach there there are different ways to um, capture that money. you have to have different approaches to the compliance initiatives that work you have to have appropriate appeals services because taxpayers should be afforded um their rights so you know you put money into compliance that doesn't mean that all the compliance initiatives work appropriately so so there are a lot of other initiatives that we've been involved with over the years to improve the tax administration system. Money is not the only thing. Money is an important consideration. I'm not saying you shouldn't focus on that. But there are a lot of other issues to
0: focus on. So so, do you have a number that you would like to see the IRS budget be at? No.
1: We I, Again we're not economists we haven't done a study on what appropriate levels would be you know again it, but, it, yeah. you mentioned what 14 billion dollars what if you doubled that is that the appropriate number i i couldn't answer that
0: well would, this would, former commissioner is saying not just double it he's saying add 100 billion to it so you know eight nine times uh, i mean so so this is why i'm 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 seeing what is being proposed out there outside of, you know, in in the press, and dramatic steps, and then I just don't like I, I I'm searching around trying to figure out what is the ASCPA position on this, and like I can't figure out what it is. Like it's it seems to be very vague.
1: So again, we don't have a position on what an appropriate funding level is for the IRS. We don't say that it should be $10 billion, $12 billion, $100 billion. What we say is that there should be a balancing, and this is just about resources because we have positions on many other things regarding tax administration, but with regard to resources, there are arguments about what that appropriate level is. You're asking the same question now and what is the appropriate level i don't know what the appropriate level is but to be fair to the agency and to be fair to the american public that is a determination that congress should make through its budgeting process in consultation with the irs to determine what that appropriate level is now again if you say what what's the appropriate funding level well so then you have to back that. What does that mean about how many phone calls are answered and how quickly?
0: Right, service levels. So can we can we at least say like what an appropriate service level is? I, I don't. I mean, like, you, what should they be you, aiming for? Like, we should we should be advocating for the IRS to do X to fix the problems for our practitioners, right? Like, I, I don't. I mean, should we say that? You know, we want every CPA when they call on behalf of a client to be able to get through to somebody at the IRS ninety percent of the time or when, more, maybe. Well, uh,
1: or, when you said to get through ninety percent of the time, what does that mean? To, to, well, the, the, I'm the, talking the about phone like the, is answered the first time it rings.
0: Well, I think the problem right now is that you know something like seventy percent of phone calls are going unanswered. Period. Like, so people give up because it takes so long. And I hear about tax preparers who are on the phone like for half a day to try and get somebody, and then they like are disconnected. You know, so it's like, what is a, I guess if we're not going to give a number for the budget or advocate in that regard, shouldn't we at least advocate for some sort of minimum standard of, of service, you know, but, but it seems like money would help. Like, like, it seems crazy to me that we are saying, IRS, you are, you are doing a bad job at serving our members. Um, but, you know, we're not going to advocate that Congress give you any more money.
1: So we... So, again, that's not what I'm saying. Um, and with regard to service levels on, on a phone call. So, so, for example, we have spoken up very vociferously for years that um, the ability to get through on the phone is not appropriate. And the question is, what is an appropriate level? Should, should um, They had something called courtesy disconnects. It, that's crazy where cpa's would would be on hold for 2 hours and and then the the courtesy is to say we're hanging up on you and then you get hung up on rather than just being disconnected without knowing that you're being disconnected right so that's a courtesy disconnect we think that's inappropriate and we told them so waiting for 2 hours on the lines to get through from a CPA's perspective is a waste of time, and it's not appropriate. Now the question is, what is appropriate? We, we've spoken to them about um, talking to um, credit card or banks or, or other service industry call centers uh, and what they're doing. So, so what is an appropriate? You know they, you may call an airline and have to wait. 20 minutes is that appropriate is that the appropriate level
0: shouldn't um, we have an opinion on that I and mean, what do you think I, I mean I think if I call the IRS as a practitioner shouldn't I would I would I would love if they would pick up the phone within 20 minutes I'd be happy but I'd, I'd like sooner that would be great too
1: well so right so what's the answer is it is it uh, maybe our minute? members would tell us our members would love to It rings once and someone picks up and they get an appropriate
0: answer. So maybe we ask for that and then we don't get it. We get something less than that, but at least we asked.
1: Well, that's yeah, but that may not be even within service industry standards of, right? So to recommend something, um, again, I I don't know what, that's not my wheelhouse. We do deal with tax administration, but we don't deal with phone levels of service and what's appropriate what is there today is not appropriate what is over so p- so, level yeah. so, so what again what we so we're, say- we're, our,
0: our our position the acp position is that what is there is not appropriate it needs to improve how much we don't know how much money they need we don't know
1: so what we've said is that congress and the irs should develop what they both agree to are appropriate levels of service, and, right. the, and the Congress should fund to that, and there should be measurements of how IRS um, performs to those levels that are expected. That is the minimum of what we
0: expect. And we've been saying that for years now. We've right? been
1: saying that for several years, yes.
0: And they haven't done it.
1: They haven't done it. We've also asked for them to increase. Before that, we asked them to an increase um, funding levels. They haven't done it. So have other organizations asked for funding? Government has limited resources, and they haven't done it. We've advocated different approaches. We've advocated different types of improvements in tax administration, some of which they adopt. So, for example, this practitioner services division that I mentioned, there was um, an act July of 2019 called the Taxpayer First Act. And we recommended a, a practitioner services division, which would le- leverage limited resources to improve service. And it seems like they're considering something like that. They put a report out at the end of last year, and it looks like maybe they're considering something like that. So we're following those types of things and trying to promote different ideas of improving tax administration, improving um, customer service, improving compliance levels, and com- uh, improving uh, approaches to examinations. But again, I don't have the expertise to tell you what the um, audit rate should be. Should it be below one percent that it's at now? Should it be one and a half percent? Should it be five percent? It'll never be a hundred percent. So the question right. is, where below, where between what it is today and a hundred percent is the appropriate level? Part part of it is the How
0: is how is Congress going to know that without like somebody telling them? They're not accountants, and we could guide them in that, right? We could tell them, "Hey, here's what we think is appropriate for each." Well, what I'm saying is that
1: that isn't our expertise. We do talk to them about um, a lot of things, tax administration issues that are are in our expert area of expertise. Levels of phone service are not in our expertise speaking out where we hear complaints and concerns and passing those on and recommending changes to try to improve we do we do that all the time to to uh, I, I can't say that um the well, phone the phone should be answered when the first time it rings i can't say that that's what it should be to Be on hold for two or three hours and then hung up on, we can say that it's not, and it has to improve and we've done that but, right. we don't but how idea. do they
0: improve it without the funding to do it how do they i mean they're would you do you think they're underfunded
1: uh, again it it's not um Uh, an issue of underfunding it's a question of finally measuring and you're saying the same thing improve you're saying improve their funding you're saying i think that i I think the data should tell them what the appropriate levels are i'm agreeing that someone should tell them who has the technological and uh, other experience to tell them what those levels should be We, we I wish we did, but
0: we don't have that expertise. Can we go we, get it? I mean, I'm just trying to think who else is better suited to do this. We're the ones who deal with the IRS all the time, more than anyone else. We have the closest relationship with them on behalf of all the taxpayers in this country. Like, why why can't we have an opinion on it? Why aren't we experts on this? Um, I mean, I, I I know a lot of accountants who have opinions on this. I surveyed Twitter. Most of my Twitter followers are accountants and you know I asked, Do you think the IRS is underfunded? And seventy-seven percent said very underfunded, fifteen percent said somewhat underfunded. But what is
1: right. So so let's just say they're underfunded. What is the appropriate funding level?
0: Well, if we can spend a dollar and get seven, eight, nine, ten dollars of revenue, like it seems to me that that the level of funding should basically be equivalent to like whatever we can spend to get the revenue that's not being collected right now. I mean, we the, the IRS is not collecting all of the legally well, due right, income that's, tax. In that's country. money
1: going into compliance. That's not money. So they need money to devote into the um, technology infrastructure.
0: Right. All of it. All of it. They need
1: money in service, right? Yep. So- So that money may not directly bring in a multiplier of of taxes. I would say I I would say in some levels by improving service, you improve taxpayers interest in wanting to voluntarily comply. Not everybody.
0: There you go. It'll help. Not everybody,
1: but it'll help.
0: Right. So so I guess the reason I'm thinking of this right now is that there's this humongous infrastructure proposal. We're spending We're talking about spending trillions of dollars. There's a lot of money flying around right now. It it seems like somebody could be standing out there talking to the press, and we could be saying, "Hey, everyone, look over here. We don't have to increase corporate tax rates in order to pay for this bill, right?" Like, and that's that's why that's our expertise, right? Like, we can we we know corporate tax, right? That's our thing.
1: Well, so actually, not. So let me clarify. We we've never advocated on tax rates
0: this I is not can't... a tax rate thing though this is just collecting the the money the, the the rate that already is there it's collecting all of that there's a gap that's and that's because the irs is underfunded that they cannot collect all of this money i think it like that to me seems like a pretty reasonable logical chain so if they had more money if we funded the irs dramatically more and we're only talking like $100 billion out of $2 trillion. It's a tiny little fraction. We could basically reduce the price of the stimulus bill. You know, We could cover that cash with more revenue for the government that it's already due. It's like, it's like I don't know, I used to manage accounts receivable for businesses, and it would be like if I just was letting half of my accounts receivable go. Because I just I didn't have enough. I wasn't investing in enough AR clerks to collect it all, and I was just allowing customers not to pay their bills.
1: It seems nuts. So yeah, but the, even businesses don't go after every dollar that it's owed. They're, at some point, they'll say there's a, a, a diminishing return from a, a business decision
0: perspective. Right.
1: right? But would any so, Would any
0: business allow half of their revenue to go? Probably not.
1: I don't know that what's outstanding is half. I don't think it's close to half, but it's a significant amount. I'm not trying to argue that there's not a lot. I'm not saying there shouldn't be more done to improve that. Again, CPAs are not economists. Our our wheelhouse is administrability. So we focus heavily on helping IRS improve the administrability of this system. When I talked about tax rates, so you, know, so you don't need to uh, increase the corporate rate or the individual rate if you just collected everything that was legally owed. And that may and be- Not
0: adequate. even everything. We're like a third, a third of what's currently going missing. So half of all income that is not reported, like on a W-2, is not reported to the IRS. That is according to their own report. That's their estimate, obviously, it's an estimate, but it's a lot of money, and we can assume that even if the estimate is off by a significant amount, it's still a lot of money and it's worth capturing, and it would pay for a lot of these additional programs like i I'm not in support or against the additional spending that is happening on Capitol Hill right now, but like you know if hey, if we can reduce the pain to our clients, our corporate clients who are going to be faced with higher tax bills with a solution, like why we can, we could advocate for that. Like we should be, we should be shouting from the rooftops that here's a solution that will not increase corporate tax rates.
1: Well, Again, that's, that's not where we advocate. And right. So you're talking about let's advocate for something that won't increase the corporate rate or, the right on high net worth individuals and the question is what is the appropriate tax rate for corporations it's it's a lot it, it's not just a function we don't,
0: it's not, we don't even, it's even have to ans- ask that question we don't even have to face that that's a political question i understand that we would should not have an opinion on the specific rate necessarily but we can we can ha- nobody likes higher taxes <laughs> Like it's I don't think anybody wants to pay higher taxes for for no reason, right? So like if we can achieve the same objectives with without raising taxes, like can't we isn't that something that like is something we could advocate for? Like and and the ancillary benefit is that we also could improve service levels at the same time. Cuz if the IRS suddenly had a lot more money, they could hire the people with the experience so just remember
1: that, that that money doesn't necessarily go to service, right? So again, how much of the money are they going to put in? So you're talking, uh, if you gave them a, a lot more money, they would collect all the uh, the unreported income. A so, dollar
0: I, of, you give a dollar to the IRS, they bring in another seven or eight bucks. You correct. said that. Yes. Right. So maybe we give them a dollar for compliance. A dollar and then for we all,
1: compliance, right. A right. But so then we dollar could dollar. also
0: we could also say, like, if they're getting, and this is the thing, is like, if the IRS is bringing in more money, then there may be more interest in, like, improving taxpayer services and resources. I, I mean, like, like, there's a lot of ways that we can make things better. And it seems like there's a really high ROI. Like, if I'm looking at this as a business decision, and I have a project, and I could invest a dollar and make eight, I would absolutely do it.
1: Right. So, so we've again we've we've advocated for improvements in resource levels for a number of years. We've shifted to talk about coming to an agreement because that wasn't being picked up on. We weren't the only organization to do that. We have focused on having Congress talk to IRS about appropriate compliance, appropriate service, appropriate technology levels of funding to improve the agency, to set measures and performance uh, goals so that there would be improvement. We've talked about the, um, the tax gap for a number of years. We've talked about um, ethical gaps for years. We've talked about transparency of reporting and supported uh, transparency of reporting we provide every year numerous tax administration improvements but again the one thing that we don't focus on we don't have that expertise to determine and maybe there there are um, companies that do that type of analysis that could work with IRS to do that, that isn't something that we have the expertise to do to determine what that level is and, and collect um, an appropriate level of the tax gap. Again, what, whatever that tax gap is, collect it. But what we've been advocating for these things for years, all of these things, it isn't just one thing. But there's an allocation of those resources as well. So, again, putting a you know, a certain amount of money into compliance and collecting that 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 would you would hope that some of those funds would find its way back to IRS to improve other areas. Um, the money that they collect goes to the treasury department. It doesn't go to the agency for
0: for its use, um, but. So, so, so how how do we how do we change the situation? We've been advocating for these things without specifics, because that's not our area of expertise for years, and it hasn't gotten any better. So how do we get out of this slump?
1: We've been trying to promote the idea that this conversation has to happen, like you're talking about it.
0: So we need more of this kind of conversation in we, the we, uh, yeah, public. Yeah, I've,
1: I've been trying to do – we've tried to generate more press interviews about the, um, the funding process. It, it's starting to pick up, and I've had more interviews um, over the last several months of, about these types of things and talk, talking about the same thing, about um, – a, a, changes at the, uh, organization that I mentioned, the taxpayer first act, IRS is saying that there are certain funding needs that they have to implement the taxpayer first act. We're trying to promote the changes that would be brought about by the taxpayer first act in the report that IRS issued. So we try to, um, promote this when we, we, um, have meetings in Capitol Hill. We talk about funding. We talk about services, We talk about compliance levels. We do it in in press interviews. Um, it's why I wanted to speak about it now, but uh, again, w- we are lobbying on behalf of the CPA profession and in areas of our expertise, which is tax administration administrability of provisions, how to improve that, how to make that work better. We try to shine light on when when there are problems. But honestly, when you say, you know, what is an appropriate telephone service level? I couldn't answer that. There are um, measures of that that I wouldn't even begin to understand. How many people do you need In one shift, how many taxpayers might call in one hour, or how many CPAs or other practitioners might call in one hour and have different needs of service? Then, you know, a taxpayer and a CPA don't need the same people to speak to.
0: So, what what I'll help you, I'll help you out. I I have an idea. Uh, I will survey my listeners and ask them what they think an appropriate service level is uh, for, for phone calls. And I don't know, what, what else should we do? How, how quickly the IRS should open the mail or, I mean, we could at least do the phone calls and then let's see what the, what the, what people would be happy with.
1: That would be, okay. That would be, let's. Um, uh, I don't know how to respond to that one. I, we do some something similar. We ask our members about their attitudes, about service levels, and that helps infuse our interactions with IRS, with the oversight subcommittees and passing on concerns and trying to shine light on where there are problems and try to get improvements. I think what you're talking about would do uh, something similar but it wouldn't measure what the appropriate level of service would be it would tell you what users think the appropriate level should be without understanding the cost to get there
0: right. it would be the opinion and, of our members right right like and the, i
1: think that's important and i'm saying we do something similar right so the you know there. The, I would encourage you to do that, but then you have to think through how you ask the question, what the responses would be, are there follow-ups to that. Um, we we do some similar things. They are data points that we use, important data points. Uh, you know, again, if there are, are trends up or down, those are important for us to know and to pass on. But the, the answers that you're going to get, you know, again, ultimately, it's Congress that funds the administration. So today, there was a budget request out. There was some information already starting to come out about what the Biden administration is requesting in terms of its budget. That, but those budget requests go to Congress. Congress has to appropriate that money. So it's Congress's uh, constitutional responsibility to appropriate funds to run the administration. It's the president, the Congress, the, um, the executive branch's responsibility to allocate those or, or use those funds with all of the, the different agencies. So, you know.
0: And it's our role to lobby them on behalf of our members. Correct. Right. And we do. So I, I guess I would just say, you know, this is my personal opinion. Like, let's give them harder numbers. I, I think Congress people have trouble understanding anything that isn't black or white. And when we say, you know, vaguely increase funding levels, I, I you know, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I would love to to see something dramatic, I guess. I don't know. But I understand where you're coming from. Um, It is not something that the ASCPA has advocated for in the past. And it gets into that political thorny issue. Um, And well, I I think it's not,
1: it's not just a politically thorny issue. It's an, it's an issue of um, where we have expertise and what, um, you know, or so let's just say, and I hear what you're saying to, to be more visible to be more specific in what funding levels are. <clears throat> and ultimately it, it becomes the responsibility of Congress and the administration to agree on mm-hmm. um, what those funding levels will be. So I, I, what we're saying is it, it's it's not fair to hold an agency accountable without having levels agreed upon. So, so I don't think you'll ever see um a a congress just give unlimited levels of funding to any agency including the irs now we've tried to say that there is a multiplier we've said that 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 should go into be taken into account the political reality is that seven or eight times um, money that comes in doesn't come in in the same budget year. It doesn't come in even in the same congressional cycle. So so ultimately, you know and you say, well you if you've been pushing for these different things and they're not successful, then change them. Well we, we have changed our approaches. We're trying to change them in a way, that we think would be more realistic. But I I think even us deciding on certain um, service levels, and I'll give you an example. We've done this in the past where we've paid an economist to do um, a study on funding for uh, a certain thing, certain types of legislation. And Congress chooses not to um, agree with it we spent lots of money in the past trying so that's one of the reasons again we're, it's not our area of expertise it costs a lot of money to do and then it's not listened to or not agreed to so we've done paid outside parties to do some economic studies and then not a drop of it was listened to they they'll say for example that the assumptions made in the economic analysis we don't agree to. So that's what happens. You're pushing for laudable goals. You're pushing for more specifics. You're pushing for narrowing the tax gap, which would have a revenue multiplier effect, which could be used for other government services. And um, if Congress decided not to raise taxes, that could be considered also. Again, that's a political economic decision. So these are all laudable goals, many of which are not within our wheelhouse, many of which, some of which we've tried in the past have also not been successful. And we've been focusing on areas of uh, tax administrability where we have had a lot of success, and a lot of changes, and a lot of improvement, which makes the system work better. And so that's the area that we've tended to focus on, where where we've had a a big uptick and a big, you know, a a take-up in in the ideas. The the ones that are more economically focused are expensive, and we've not had uh, Congress agree or others agree to say, You know, those analyses
0: are what we want to believe. Ed, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for all of your time today. Uh, I have been speaking with Ed Carl, CPA, Vice President of Taxation at the AICPA. Ed, if people want to learn more about what you do uh, in terms of tax advocacy and the AICPA, where is the best place for them to go online?
1: Um, so we, ha- we do have a website, uh, AICPA. If you Google or, or search for AICPA tax advocacy, you'll get to our uh, homepage. We have information about what we do. Uh, there's information, all of the um, comment letters and position papers that we take are, are, are found there as well. So it will give you a lot of information about our tax policy and adv- advocacy
0: mission. Thank you so much. Great talking with you. Thank you
1: very much. I really appreciate it.